0: We're all on the spars, <laughs> but we're not we're not one bit happy. There's 50 uh, of us on this post and we're not one bit happy.
1: For immediate reaction from around the grounds, catch League of Ireland late night. Every Friday, 10 p.m. on Twitter Spaces. Follow at off the
0: ball. Claire has this week released a book, it's called Scoring Goals in the Dark, it's in all good bookshops now and it chronicles her journey through alcohol addiction, her struggles with drugs and her attempts to take her own life and Claire is in studio with me this afternoon. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: I should point out that you're only 27 years old. Uh, there's been a there's a lot of living in this book and there's also maybe a lot of living that was missed out on during the yeah, journey yeah of course
1: um, I tried to kind of cap everything that had happened uh, over the last number of years in, in the one book which was you know there was a lot of stories that I didn't um, put into the book as well um, I just wanted to try and, and uh, paint a picture on, on what it was like, you know, living with a poor mental health and, and living life through my addiction um, and where it can take you. And, you know, it's easier for me to kind of speak about it now when I'm in a good place. But I think, you know, the book captures um, what it's like to um, have a, a suicidal state of mind um, and living life through addiction and, and poor mental health as well. So,
0: And it really does capture that. It's, it's not an easy read. Uh, You leave it all out there in terms of your struggle with alcohol, with drugs. And you're remarkably honest throughout the entire book on how desperate a situation you found yourself in over the last few years. When I read a book like this, I often wonder, your family, your your close friends, how shocked will they be with what they've read? Or would they have been well aware of what you've been through?
1: They lived in the moments as much as i did you know it wasn't just me that was affected by all these things it affected everybody that was around me as well and you know as a parent you don't want your to see your child go through um such dark times and such dark moments as well as you know my friends um you know and when i when i look back now i kind of have that guilt of what i have put them through because uh not only was it me that was struggling uh It also brought them to a few dark places as well with their mental health Um, and they're kind of the things that you don't see when you're living in the moment Uh, it's only when you look back and and realise you know how much of an impact it had on uh, everybody around me Um, especially in in the last few years it became very visible um, to everybody that was around Mm me not even the people closest to me but you know parents of other players that were on the teams that I was involved in um, and fans and supporters you know um, it had an impact on a lot of people and you know I actually bumped into someone from the FAI yesterday I was at the Aviva Stadium uh, for the Ukraine game and you know they had mentioned it to me and and um, how they found you know when I went missing and that they were on the edge of their feet that you know are on the edge of their seat and even hearing that now you know you don't even realise for me I don't realise how much of a, a broader scale it had affected um, until I hear or have these conversations with people so yeah it affects everybody Um, and you know I'm in a situation now where I can kind of look back and, and people and my family in particular can you know be really proud of how far I have come um, and for me to be proud of where I have got myself and how how I managed to get myself out of those dark times. You know, receiving messages from my mum and my dad um, saying how proud they were of me, even from the show last night. Um, and even today, having all these kind of... Uh, media bits that, that I have been asked to do. Um, so, you know, for them to kind of see that and, and to see how much I, I'm working on myself uh, to be a better person it is something that, you know, I can be proud of.
0: Did you sit down with your mum and dad before you started writing the book with Gareth Marr and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to pre- pretty much put it all out there, warts and all. And, and how were they with that?
1: Um, You know... They were quite, um, scared wouldn't be the word, and um, they obviously know that my experiences and my story could help a lot of people, and I think that's just the view that we've all had on it. Um, I think, you know, my experiences, um, a lot of people could relate to them, as not just in the footballing world, but in life in general, I think, um for them to to be able to view it like that mm. um, is really important. And I think, you know, um, they've taken it really well. Um, and their first
0: concern, I'm sure, is to protect you, whereas you're looking at this as a, as a way of really helping other people and to be the inspiration and people who are struggling with mental health to see that there is a way through this. But they're looking at their daughter. And I guess they're very worried about you talking about this and having to come on shows like this and be very public with the problems you've, you've gone through and, and and how that might affect you.
1: Yeah, of course. You know, I've, I came up, out publicly, you know, in 2020 with the letter to my younger self, um, which had a massive um, um, response, positive response to it. Uh, I just feel like at that time, maybe I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't really deal with the overwhelming feeling that that brought towards me. And, you know, a couple of months later, I actually ended up relapsing. So, you know, there is that kind of... Um, They probably had that thought in the back of their mind as well. Um, But I think, you know, they see how strong I am um, now in my life and what recovery has actually done to me. It's completely changed me as a person and my outlook on life has completely changed. Uh, I have the right tools and an unbelievable support network now. Um, I have people to turn to, you know, when when things aren't going so well. So for them to be able to see that um, and for me to be so open and honest can only, you know, help other people. and, And that's the main aim.
0: So your background then I I touched on you know, representing Ireland at a very young age I think you were 13 when you were called in to an Ireland squad for the first time you're playing at under 17 world cups you're, you're enjoying a lot of big moments what age were you when you called into the senior squad for the first time uh, 19 right uh, when did the drinking start
1: um, heavily or just in general
0: just in general
1: I think I took my first drink when I was 15
0: right which um, wouldn't be unusual for yeah. for kids in Ireland. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. So when did the change from just being a usual thing that kids in Ireland might do to, as you say, being a heavy drinker?
1: Uh, I think I it's probably kicked off when I was nineteen, twenty, right. um, and I was still you know I was playing professional football. I was in around the, the international squad. Um, you were a brilliant Camogie player as well. Yeah, I. Played in the All-Ireland Final uh, in Croke Park when I was 17. Um, So there was a lot going on in my life at that time. I didn't have much time to kind of sit back and take it all in because there was always something more, you know, as athletes as well. You can never really appreciate what you have achieved in that moment because there's always the next game. There's always the next competition. Um, So... Yeah, I just think there was so much going on in my life as well at that time that when I had an opportunity to let my hair down, um, I was never one to be able to have one or two drinks. That was never something I was capable of. I was always the first person at the bar and the last one to leave. No matter if the bar was closed or not, I would find, you know, a party to go to. um, And there was a number of nights, you know, that I, I didn't come home um and i was kind of out for a number of days um and you know, i think when i moved to glasgow the first time it gave me that freedom you know i was in a flat you An know age you? 19
0: right so that was when it really kicked off
1: yeah so i was in a flat you know it was the first time i had lived out of home um i had too much freedom i think i i wasn't mature enough to look after myself i just took full advantage over the fact that my parents weren't around uh even though i was playing professional football um it didn't that didn't really Trigger anything, um, you know, all I wanted to do was go out and, and meet new people, um, and it just kind of overpowered and, and took f- and took over my life really. At, at so that, so when you've been
0: reflecting, there was there was no one moment that suddenly sparked a change in your personality. It just sort of grew and grew, and it, you're quite clear early on in the book that like there was a lot of stress around being a a dual star. Like you were you excelled at many sports and trying to balance the camogie and the football. You were being pulled and dragged in a lot of places that seemed to be at that young age a a big strain on you?
1: Yeah, no, it was. Um, You know, all I wanted to do was play. I think it got to a certain stage where I was playing at the highest level uh, in three different sports and, you know, I was being pulled and dragged left, right and centre because I didn't have the... uh, the capability of saying no I didn't want to miss out on on anything I wanted to play as much as I could um you're
0: that good yeah it is you're you're letting people down if you don't turn up for the big days
1: yeah exactly and I think you know it started to overlap each other and I had big decisions to make but you know I was still young I was still under I wasn't I hadn't even turned 18 yet so it was my mom that had to kind of deal with what game I was playing, where I was going, what I was doing, and you know that was a lot of pressure on her as well, and a lot of stress on her to try and make those decisions because all she wanted was the best for me. Um, and yeah, just you know, I, I speak about it in the book about that weekend where I had the all-around final and I had an under nineteen mm. uh, international camp on the same weekend. So I think you know after that I had to kind of make my decision to to stick with one sport. I wasn't uh, I wasn't capable of of continuing the both.
0: Yeah, we we hear about these scenarios every year particularly with women's sport where there seems to be far more dual players the the pressure that's put on but you're playing in an all-Ireland final and, and it's a struggle to get released from a training camp
1: <laughs> I know it's absolutely wild when I look back at it now you know it's crazy because when I was younger all I dreamed about was playing for Cork Mogey in an all-Ireland final and then all I dreamed about was representing my country um, and, and in all these European competitions and then when they both fall on the same weekend, you know, I I probably you know I had an idea in my head that football was going to be something that I wanted to pursue. You know, there's I feel like there's a lot more opportunity in football, but at the same time, I grew up in a, a massive sporting community, um, which was mainly GA. Um, you know, my neighbours we were all involved in in the same club and and you know putting on the, the red jersey and, and representing my country uh, it was such a small but powerful community um, and I, it was something that I wanted to achieve I know obviously we came up short in, in that all Ireland and final but it was still an unbelievable experience to run out into Croke Park and, and to hear the fans and it was it was an incredible moment um, and you know having to say goodbye to, to that sport uh, after that game um, you know it was difficult, of course. Um, you know, I love hurling. I love camogie. I love the sport. I think it's the most skillful sport that, mm. that is out there. Um, and I was pretty good at that as well. So,
0: Was the loss of that safety net and moving to the more professional environment in Glasgow where you're obviously still there, but in football you are seen as a bit more of a commodity, whereas, mm. as you said, there's the community aspect of being in Cork, around family, around friends, where maybe they're just keeping a bit more of an eye on you. Mm-hmm. Whereas you say, you go to Glasgow and you're sort of left to your own devices at nineteen twenty. 20. Uh, you know, it probably got to the extreme levels, it's got to be said. But, yeah. you know, most people are going to, and um, we've seen it countless times where people struggle in that scenario.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, when you put it like that, you know, um, and when I look back on it, there are different, there are definitely things that I could have done better. Mm. Um, Decision making, uh, you know, I feel like when, I was back there. I wasn't mature enough to make the right decisions. Um, and my behaviors were just non acceptable for a professional athlete. even for you know even the culture that's around you know gaA, I feel like there's a lot of uh, drinking culture well there was mm. back then. Um, I, I know it's kind of different now and and there is a there was a, a culture of drinking around you know all sports, I feel. Um, and you know because I was I was doing so well on the pitch. I was getting away with everything that I was doing off the pitch at the same time and it just came to a head and you know I was on my own over in Glasgow as well and and nobody over there really knew how how bad things were actually getting for me You were at one stage you were living with Denise
0: O'Sullivan Yes I was uh, I think at that stage maybe there was a bit of looking after going on that sort of Denise took you under her wing but once Denise left there was a sort of gaping hole in your life
1: Yeah no there was Denise was unbelievable you know Um, and you know her motivation um, and her work rate and everything that she has achieved up to this point has, is unbelievable and it just shows where football when you work hard at something that's exactly where it can take you mm. um, and you know um, I went the complete opposite way um, and I don't really know why or how that that actually came about you know um, I I I went down the wrong route, I suppose. I was struggling with my mental health and I always have struggled with my mental health. Uh, It was something that I always wanted to hide and I feel like I got that comfort from from drinking, um, from the social aspect of things. Um, And I I never really looked after myself and, you know, it took me down a very dark path. Um, And when I came back then, after my first spell at Glasgow City, it just uh, erupted, I suppose.
0: You weren't hiding away at home every day drinking either. Your your drinking was a, a very public thing. You yeah. were out and about in Cork. You were out and about in Glasgow. You were, from reading the book, a, a bit of a messy drunk mm-hmm. that when you were out, everybody knew you were out. A lot of people must have been aware that your drinking wasn't like a normal 20 year olds drinking it was it was way beyond that or were you in some way managing to hide the true extent of it from people
1: I think I did manage to hide a lot of it um, you know it gets to about 12 o'clock and I would find a party somewhere else I would kind of take myself out of the pub aspect of things um, and I think that's how you know I kind of got away with it um, but you know coming into the 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 last few years of my drinking the last two years in particular it was very very obvious to a lot of people with where it was taking me um,
0: and did many people try and intervene
1: no Amanda Budden intervened right. and she told the management at, at Cork City um, I turned up to a game from the night before and you know um.
0: and why do you think more people didn't intervene if so many people had an idea that there was there was more going on than just having a few drinks
1: I don't know I don't know. I really I I couldn't I can't answer that yeah. question. Um because looking back now, I was an absolute mess. Um and it was very physical. It wasn't just a mental thing with me then at that time. Um I think I, I had overdone it, um, to a point where I lost my hygiene. Like I, I, found it hard to even have a shower or brush my hair. Right. Um, my eating habits were all over the place. You know, I was smoking weed, and then the drugs started to to come into play. And you know, you don't realise at the time the long long term impacts that that has on you. Um, and it became really physical, you know, I was bleeding, you know, I was coughing up blood. Um, I was bleeding every time I was going to the toilet. And there was, I remember certain moments where I actually went to the doctor and I went to so- South Dock, but there was a long wait time and I knew my friends were in the pub and I just got up and left because I didn't have the patience to wait to speak to a doctor. Yeah. Um, I kind of knew that it was my lifestyle that was bringing on all these, these um Issues that I was having with my physical health, um, and you know, hearing that, uh, and being confronted by that. I didn't, I didn't want to hear it. I just would rather have ran away from it. Um, and you know. When I did end up turning up to a few games uh, under the influence, you know that was really when people, you know, stepped in and and tried to support me and help me in the best way that they could. But ultimately, you know, there's not a lot that uh, that people can do for you when you're when you're in that state of mind. It's up to you to to um, buy into this support and and to trust the process I suppose and that was something that I found hard because you know when I was so young trying to give up drink meant that I had to distance myself from friends uh, pull myself out of the so- social aspect and I didn't want that you know I felt like I was associated with drink as much as I was associated with playing football um, it was as if I just took on that role of, of being that party girl as right. well as, as that athlete and I didn't want to lose that because that's where I I felt like I was I was able to communicate with friends and and without that who was I what was my identity what could I bring to this world if I didn't have that and that was something that I found hard to accept Um, it wasn't until uh, I actually tried to commit suicide until I really realised I needed to, to Go through a lifestyle change and to bide into the the process of, of becoming sober and start to, my road to recovery. Um, and you know, in that process and and the process in recovery, you learn so much about yourself. And even when I gave up drink for the first time, you know, I fully, I didn't believe that I was an alcoholic. I didn't believe that I was an addict.
0: So when you gave up for the first time, did you give up just, I'm taking a break from this? Or at that stage, had you entered a recovery program where you were having to have conversations around alcoholism?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, And I had those difficult conversations as well when I went into the drug and alcohol center. Um, But there was still that voice in my head saying, you know, the next time will be different. And that was just the the addict talking to me. Um, you know, I completely separate the addict and me because they're completely two different people. You know, I'm not a monster. Mm. I'm just living with something that's so powerful that that's the way it, it, it projects you. Um, and I think that took me a long time to realize and to accept. It wasn't until I relapsed in 2020 that I really fully believed that I was an addict and that I was an alcoholic um, at the age of 23. Um, And then when I had my relapse, you know, I was 25, 24, um, 25, and... That was when I really, really started to trust the process and go through all the stages of recovery. You know, a lot had changed in my life uh, after my relapse. You know, I had lost a lot of weight. I had a difficult, uh, a hard relationship with food. You know, I had medication, trying to get back into the swing of things um, and taking on the responsibility of what happened as well.
0: There's a hell of a lot going on there for somebody in their early 20s to have to deal with. How difficult is that moment at? What are you, 23 when you're having to sit in a room and say, I'm an alcoholic?
1: Very difficult, you know, when those words kind of come out of someone's mouth, you know, I kind of just brushed it under the carpet. Did you believe it when you
0: said it the first time?
1: No, I would never, you know, I was playing in the Champions League the year before, I would have never associated myself as being an alcoholic, you know, you don't, you wouldn't put a professional athlete who's playing international football, playing in the Champions League in a category with drugs and alcohol. It's just something that's not spoke about, but I know it affects a lot of people. Um, and then when I had my relapse in in 2020, it was like, this is actually who I am. And if I, you know, it's a, it's a sink or a swim situation that I found myself in and you know, I wanted to take responsibility for my actions and I wanted to change and I want to prove, you know, uh, not only for myself, but to other people um, that I could do it and that I could do it again. You know, when I relapsed, I said I can never, I can't be seen ever again. I'm never going to be able to get my life back on track, let alone get back playing professional football. It was completely out of my reach and all I wanted to do was try and get my life back on track and to find true happiness and and to be you know in control of of who I am and and to try and find out who I really am and I think you know the recovery over the last 2 years you know I'm nearly 2 years sober next month or uh, next week um, and I can you know finally say that I finally finally have found who I really am and it's something that I can be really proud of um, and my family are really proud of um, you know it's just crazy the way life brings you I suppose without all my struggles without football. You know, I wouldn't have been able to write my book. I wouldn't be able to inspire people to speak out about their mental health, their addi- their addiction issues. You know, football has given me some unbelievable memories. It's given me cup finals, league titles. It's I've travelled the world. I've met some unbelievable people, but it's also given me my life back. And I'm... Forever grateful to still be in this position, um, and I think you know, I still have a lot to give of football, and you know I have a lot to look forward to over the next number of years.
0: You certainly do. I think one of the things that makes this book so powerful is how relevant it all is and how recent it all is. You're not writing this when you're fifty and looking <laughs> back in hindsight. Like all of this has happened over the last couple of years, and I- I'm wondering that did that make it more difficult when you you touch on going to the Aviva Stadium and meeting an FAI official, like there's an awful lot of people who read this and remember those nights out. Mm -hmm. But you don't hold anything back. Like there's there's no glamorous side to this. You know, it's very clear of going into a pub and falling over and knocking over a table of drinks in front of all your friends at Mm -hmm. three in the morning and them all sort of raising their eyes having gone, here she goes again and sort of having to put up with it. But also even from a footballing point of view, like there's a couple of remarkable nights out of You'd already made your Ireland debut, but you weren't in the squad. And I think you went over to, was it to Amsterdam to famous result against the Netherlands and the return game. And basically you go out drinking before the game, but because you're a former part of the squad, you're in the seats with the FAI officials and all the family and friends, and you're completely out of it, to the extent that you're you're walking onto the pitch at the end of the game and hugging Katie <laughs> McCabe uh, with thinking a lot about of drink it, on you. It
1: gives me goosebumps. You know, mm. I still get the fear sometimes about all these all my actions, I suppose. Um, you know, but there's nothing I can do about that. All I can do is learn and, and to bring it forward with me and to make sure it never happens again.
0: Like that would have been something that would have been easy to leave out of a book. You obviously just wanted to make yeah, sure that you know, it was all there.
1: I wanted to make it as real and as honest and as open as I possibly can. I think, you know I've held on to this part of me for so long and I finally found a place where I've been able to be open and to be honest and you know it's a weight off my shoulders as well I have nothing to hide you know I find myself in coming out of my comfort zone quite a lot over the last few days you know sitting here and and talking about my my experiences is something that I would have never done previously because I've always had that hold and that uh, part of me that I didn't want to show whereas now you know I know that my experiences can help so many people and well, I hope it can help. Uh, it can help mm, so many sure people, um, and that's you know something that I can learn from as well. You know, I'm not going to perfect everything in my life. There's going to be things that happen that are out of my control. It's just how you manage and how you deal with them going forward. is is something that I've realised. <laughs>
0: Katie McCabe writes the foreword in the book and you're of a similar generation and you mentioned playing with Denise O'Sullivan and you see the buzz that's around the women's game at the moment. When you look at where you were and where they were at 18, 19, how does it sit with you at the moment not being a, being a part of that? You know what?
1: I applaud anybody who is at the top of their game. I applaud anybody who plays international football professional sport at that because the demands, the pressures the expectations you know the lack of game time sometimes then there comes the injuries These all these things have an impact on someone's mental health and how they control it is beyond words um, and constantly being in the limelight and, and trying to perform to the best of their ability there's a lot that goes on in professional sport that people don't see um, and I you know applaud anybody who's capable of doing it and what the girls have done over the last number of years has been unbelievable and I'm their number one supporters and they know that I'm always there I'm always you know watching the games um, and I'm always you know sending messages of wishing them good luck and you know it's just unbelievable where the game has actually gone Mm. Um, and you know. So you know when when I have when I was going through all these difficult times, I would have loved to have been there with them, but you know I think life works in mysterious ways. Um, and for me, it I just went down a different path. You know, everyone's journey is completely different. Um, and you know I still have a lot more to give to football. Um, by no means is is my journey with football over yet. Um, you know, I just have to take each day as it comes and and work as hard as I can on the pitch and off the pitch and and to become the best person as I can, or yeah, to become the best version of myself, I suppose. Um, so yeah, you know what Katie has done with her career is just unbelievable. She's a remarkable. Um, woman, and you know I'm very good friends with Katie as well as Denise and and the rest of the girls, and they've just taken the sport and and football in in Ireland to a completely new level, and all I can do, you know, is applaud them for what they have done.
0: You touched on it there a couple of times, the relapse, and your path to recovery hasn't been a straightforward one, and I think maybe for a lot of people the. First time they might have heard your name, unfortunately, was when suddenly word went around mm-hmm. on social media that you'd gone missing and an awful lot of people were incredibly worried. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Glasgow, you'd gone for a night out, yeah, hadn't come home. C- can you talk about what happened there and, and what's happened since? So,
1: yeah, that night, um, it was an outer body experience, really, for me. Um, you know, I couldn't accept the fact that I had relapsed. You know, I've, I had nightmares about relapsing and then all of a sudden I was living these nightmares. I couldn't accept that it had brought me so low again. I couldn't accept the fact that I had gone through a year and a half of working so hard on myself, getting myself back into the international setup, getting my first cert and three weeks later I, I was back drinking again. And you know, a couple of weeks after that I was back taking drugs and- What sparked it? Lockdown. Right. I lost my identity uh, again, I think. Um, out of the routine, the out, of of the routine training. out of the structure. You know, I was sleeping all day, up all night. You know, I think it hit a lot of people really, really hard. And I think the drinking culture actually was massive during lockdown. You know, you had these um, Zoom quizzes. You were on to all your friends on uh, Zoom calls, etc. And, you know, um, I just found myself in a downward spiral again and I couldn't accept the fact that it was happening I completely forgot about all the hard work I'd put into myself and getting sober and you know, I found myself extremely suicidal, and when you're in that mindset, you know, it's very hard to come out of. Um, you are
0: probably, I presume, pretty much isolated as well at that completely stage. Completely
1: isolated, yeah. You know, I did actually come home for a number of weeks for my birthday uh, in 2020, in May 2020, um, and it just spiraled completely out of control. And went back to Glasgow to try and get myself back on track and you know it was a little too late i think my thoughts were just too overpowering and i found myself back in hospital and back in a psychiatric ward for 30 days and it was you know it was the best thing that ever happened to me to be honest um i met some incredible people in hospital who gave me advice that you know live for me live with me forever they were a lot older than me and they were able to tell me you know that I still have my whole life ahead of me, that I'm young. You know, some of them were 40 and 50 and they had lost their kids, lost their house, lost their job through addiction, through their mental health. And it was something that has stuck with me until this day um, that I still have my whole life ahead of me. I still have time to put it right, to build relationships again. You know, it's not an easy process, um, but it's something that I do work on like all the time. Um, And yeah, you know, going through and and being in recovery it breaks you down into a million pieces to put you back together a completely different way and that's certainly what it has done for me you know I'm a completely different person I have a a different uh, outlook on life and you know it's a more positive um, way of living Um, and I'm really enjoying myself at the moment you know I know football hasn't gone the way I would have liked Mm. um, but In terms of general life, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I can be honest and open with how I'm feeling at the moment. And I think that's a comfort in itself to be able to be in that position to do that. Because I know a lot of people find it very hard to open up and to be honest. And, you know, I just want to be that role model for people who are struggling to be able to have that voice.
0: Do you look back and think, geez, I wish I knew this 10 years ago when I was 17? Oh, my God. We've obviously all made... As a culture, made massive strides in terms mm-hmm. of understanding mental health. But I'd imagine, even thinking back a decade ago as a, a 17 year old girl, uh, like you know that your thoughts aren't maybe what you want them to be, but you don't know that there's a way of getting through it.
1: Yeah, no. If I knew then what I know now, mm. I, things would have been completely different for me. But, you know, as I said, things happen for a reason. And I I wouldn't be sitting here if I haven't hadn't gone through all my struggles. Um, And I think it's shaped me into be the person that I am today. And, you know, I can look back and be proud of how far I've
0: come. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not the end of the journey. No. Nope. Uh, I mentioned uh, you've been ca- capped under three different managers. Mm-hmm. So uh, everybody who's seen you play has obviously been impressed. And you've been capped under Vera Pauw you're still playing your football over in Glasgow is it do you allow yourself set yourself goals of I want to get back in that Ireland squad I'm you know willing to put it all out there and tell everyone I want to be in there or do you just sort of keep things more internal
1: I I take things day by day you know I don't look too far into the future um, And I just take things as they come and just, you know, take the right steps going forward. And, you know, you never know what can happen then. Mm -hmm. Um, If I apply myself properly and work hard and put my head down, you know, anything can happen. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to to what's to come.
0: I'd imagine uh, your parents are incredibly proud.
1: Yeah, they are, you know. Uh, your brother
0: as well. I think it was a huge support.
1: Yeah, he was. My whole family have been uh, a massive support throughout this whole process. You know, it's not easy seeing your sister, your brother, mm. or your your daughter uh, go through these situations. But you know, it, it is who I I am, who I am, and you know, I can't change that. Um, and they see the work that I put into into myself and. They see how much time um, and how how much time I put into my recovery, Um, you know, and they see me back playing. They see me happy and I think they see the smile back on my face and that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah. uh, Well, listen, I think it's uh, a powerful book, uh, Scoring Goals in the Dark. Uh, Claire Shine with Gareth Maritz out now in all bookshops. Uh, Very best of luck with your continued recovery and hopefully see you back in that green jersey sometime soon. Thanks for coming to the studio, Claire. Thank
1: you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you.